0: This morning, uh, just let me just say, you know, kind of pat on the back again. Uh, just applaud you for being here, starting the year off right. Uh, uh, you know, kept having people ask me yesterday, "What are you doing tonight?" You know, how are you closing out the year? And I finally just had to post and say, "Look, next," you know, kind of a next time somebody asks you what you're doing tonight, how are you closing out the year? Ask them, "What are you doing tomorrow morning? How are you starting the new year?" Because uh, this is much, much more important. So I'm glad that you're here this morning, and especially since it's a Sunday. know, if you didn't show up today, it's kind of you know, it's kind of like the uh, the opposite of what we say we are. You know, if you uh, on the very first Sunday of the year, you didn't go to church and you didn't uh, do that. It's kind of so. I'm I'm glad that you're here for that this morning, and and uh, we're going to kind of launch with our resolutions here in just a few moments. And and uh, but this isn't really about resolutions. uh, We're going to talk about that, but I really want to take this deeper. I want to take you know making resolutions. Want to take that deeper. We're going to ask for God's help, but I want to make it spiritual, too. Um, I hope I can explain that to you in just a, just a few months we could. Uh, but also, just think about this. And this is what I've, I've called this. Uh, we did it in the teaser, the, the video teaser, a couple of weeks ago. Is that 2012 is a year of opportunity. Now, I could have said that about 2011 as well. Because as a child of God, every single moment you have is a moment of opportunity didn't get a lot of amen, so let me explain it. You know, think about uh, Britain in the early service when when we were about to pray. He he mentioned the story of that that widow woman who lost her son also, he died. And they were on the way to the cemetery to bury him and Jesus stopped the funeral procession and he raised the young man back to life. You know what that means? That means no matter how bad your situation is, when Jesus Christ shows up, it's a moment of opportunity. <laughs> so when, when, as a child of God, every single moment of your life is a moment of opportunity. And now today, we've got an entire year. By the time this is over, it'll be 365 and almost a half day that we've got left in, in this year. But we've got an entire year of opportunity laid out before us, 2012, an entire year. And this year, we've actually got an extra day because it's a leap year. Do y'all know that? It's leap year. So we've got an extra day. And so, so I want you to see that because I want you to... I wanted to point that out because I wanted you to think about it this way, is that I have more opportunity this year than I did last year. At least 24 hours, right? But not just that, because also you made some progress last year, whatever your needs are, whatever it is you have to do. You made some progress in that, so this year you can, you can even take it farther. So this is a greater year of opportunity, perhaps the best year of opportunity that you've ever had in your life. So let's do everything we can to take advantage of every single one of those opportunities. Okay, so how do we do this? Well, let's, we'll talk a little bit about resolutions in, in, in a way, but I, I just don't want you to get hung up on resolutions because this needs to be a lot deeper for, because we're Christians, okay? We don't just make resolutions, turn over new leaves. We got the power of the Holy Spirit helping us walk through this. So I want, you, I want you to really take this deeper. Make this spiritual with me today if you possibly can. But there are three things you gotta do. It's a three-point sermon, and uh, three things you gotta do, and, and the, fir- the first one is this is that you need to begin with resolve. Now, I'm going to spend a little more time talking about this point probably than the other two. And I kind of look, when I was looking at the whole body of my sermon this week, I thought, man, i got a lot more time there. And we know how to begin, don't we? I mean, we think, or we think we do, but you know what? Did you see that stat a moment ago? That of New Year's resolutions, this is, a, this is a survey, and it wasn't done by a Christian organization. This was done by the University of Scranton, I think, in Pennsylvania, uh, their, their psych department did this survey, and it said that the fail rate in the first week is 25%. That if we all make resolutions, the fail, the fail rate for us, one out of every four, is going to fail this week. I mean, we don't even know how to begin, do we? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I listen, the first day of the year, that's not really beginning. I mean, you got to get at least through a, a week or two. We don't even know how to begin, so that's, that's a good reason for us to start right here with the beginning. And the first thing to the first thing to think about is, is that you need to begin with resolve. The same, obviously, that's the same word as resolution. They come from the same root word, resolve and resolution. You need to begin with resolve to do what needs to be done. Okay, begin with resolve to do. You know what resolve is, don't you? Making up your mind. Jesus told us a little bit about this in verse uh, when he, he was talking about Luke chapter fourteen, verse twenty-eight. He says, "But don't begin until you count. Don't begin until you count the cost." Okay, so don't start tomorrow. Today's the day to count the cost. Don't begin to count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? That would be foolish, it? even though some people do that. We, we, know, we know buildings in Birmingham that, that are sitting empty today, unfinished because somebody started without counting the cost. Jesus also trying to uh, uh, explain this thought to us. He also talked about kings that would go to war. You don't go to war until you count the cost. And you try to measure, do I have enough men to win this war? Yet we know a lot of wars are undertaken without people counting the cost. How many men you're going to lose? How much money this is going to cost? how long you're going to be tied up in this battle, in this war, that it's going to take all of your attention away from other things that you need to be doing in your life and in your country. And so so Jesus said, the kings, they count the cost in that way too before they just jump on board and take off and do something. And we need to do that to begin with resolve. Uh, not, not to begin with just, just say a good idea, but be, begin with resolve. Listen, because this thing is a spiritual battle. This is, this is going to be a war this, this year. Whatever it is that you need to accomplish this year, it's going to be a battle. If you need to lose 25 pounds this year, can I tell you something? It's going to be a battle. Somebody say amen. You know, whatever it is you need to do this year, it's going to be a battle. And you need to resolve. and Count the cost. If, you want, if you've got uh, unsaved members of your family and you want to see Jesus Christ save their soul, write their name in the Lamb's Book of Life before the end of this year, can I tell you something? You need to count the cost because it's going to be a battle. I said this a couple of weeks ago, that you, you people who are, uh, have uh, unsaved spouses and you, you're asking God to save their soul, sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets bad, better. That's the way any battle is. The very first moments are worse, and, 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 you know, and, and so some people, you know what they do? Some people just like to, let's just stay in a, a kind of a peace that we think we have. It's, it's kind of like we go back 75 years for a, an example. You know, right before right before uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed. You remember? You remember what we thought was going on with the Japanese? I mean, we thought they were negotiating with us. We thought they were actually telling us. We thought they were actually wanting peace with us. I mean, that's the things they were telling Washington, even though they were planning this big attack against us. And, and everything seemed like peace, and then all of a sudden they attack us, and then it's war, and and, and then fear overtakes, and, and and men die, and a lot of a lot of stuff happens, and we end up. Totally engulfed in this, in this war. Now, on, 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 in, in two different hemispheres, we end up in this war. Totally engulfed. I mean, it costs something. So make up your mind. Count the cost and make up your mind today. And begin with resolve. Begin with resolve to do whatever it takes. To do what needs to be done. Here's, uh, here's some of the areas that, that you probably... Uh, um, I'm sorry, let me give you these three points right here about beginning to resolve. And, and, and we kind of just think it means begin, but no, look at this. It means, first of all, determine what needs to change. Okay, you need to lose weight. Determine what needs to change. Draw a picture of what you want life to be like on, on uh, 12, 31, 12. You know, you want to be 25 pounds lighter, you know. Or, or if it's your, uh, uh, your finances, you know, you can actually probably draw that out, like change your budget. Your budget today looks like this, and it's a mess, and you want it to look like this. You can but most of these, when you're talking about drawing a picture, most of these, it's a mental thing. It's like, what do I want life to be like? And, and, you know, some people, you know, John and April were in service with us. They're, they're in early service, and, and uh, you know, she looks like she's about 10 months pregnant. You know you know what I mean? And uh, they're going to have a baby here in just just probably another week, two, maybe three. They They're going to. They know that life is going to change for them in 2012. That's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm not talking about the things that are going to happen. I'm, I'm talking about making making a plan, an idea. What do I want life to look like differently at the end? And then, so that's like, we've, we already know what point A looks like. Here's point a want to draw a picture of what point b looks like and so thirdly make a plan for how to get from point a to point b it's not going to happen just because you say i want to lose 25 pounds anybody ever lost weight just because you said i want to lose 25 pounds if so you need to teach class Uh, you can sell some books let me tell you if all you got to do is say it there has to be a plan you want to raise good kids there has to be a plan you want to pay off some uh, debt there has to be a plan so let me give you some, th- some areas that you need, probably need to improve relationship with God. Every one of us, probably, I, I, I doubt there's anyone that wouldn't need this on their list. Marriage and family, uh, in your career, in your finances, your ministry, your, serv- your, your service uh, to God, your talents. A lot of you have talents, are you using them up for God? Here's some areas you need to improve. Your physical health, uh, you need to exercise more, all of those kinds of things. There's some areas, and we're going to talk about a couple more maybe, but these are just some areas. Here's what I want you to do. This is a strange place to do it. I normally do it earlier, and I did actually in the first service. But I really wanted to do it right here. I want to have a word of prayer now. This is my this is my opening prayer. Okay, I want to have this prayer right now because here's what I want. I want to take a moment. I want you to decide what it is that needs to change about your life this next year. And here's the, I, I know I know this is something that really you need to undertake with some prayer and some and really take some time thinking about this. But here's the thing I know about you. I know in the ebb and flows of life, the ups and the downs, I know that when you get really, really low, I know you start looking at places in your life and you start saying, this has to change. Just about every one of us knows some of those places that have to change. You, you, don't, need, you don't need two hours. You don't need to go off and do a retreat. You know something that needs to change in your life right now. I want you, I want you to decide. Now listen, we're going to revisit this at the end of this message. And if you don't do this with me right now, you're going to feel cheated at the end of the message. Okay? You're going to feel cheated, so don't get left out. I'm not going to make you stand up, not going, to do, not going to do anything weird like that, okay? But you're going to feel cheated at the end of this message if you don't join me right now. Close your eyes with me for just a moment. God... I ask you, Lord, help us see. Lord, I, I pray, remind us, God, of those things in our life, God, that the, the things that this past year, Lord, that we really wished had changed, the things that over the past year, God, that we saw that we really wish we could have changed. We wish somebody had, had just had just taken it out of our life or somebody had built something new in our life, God. Let, let us know. Let us right now make up our minds, God, of that thing, Lord, that we want to see change this year, God, in 365 days, that we want it to be different than it, was, than it, than it is now, God, something that we want to be different different in 2013 if you, if you tarry uh, that is, that, than it is in 2012. God, help us, Lord. Decide that thing right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Have you decided? Everybody say amen. Amen. If you decided, decide something, okay? Because we got to go somewhere with this just a moment. Let me tell you, that's not enough. Just deciding it's not enough. you got to do something with it. you got to have a plan, okay? Let's take, for instance, say you want to pay off some credit card debt. Okay, now, if you're, if you're above average, you know, I mean, above debt and above, in above average debt, you know, you might have $15,000, $20,000, you know, so of debt, unsecured debt. And unless you've got an awesome job and you're just blowing a lot of money somewhere, you ain't going to pay that off in a year. So, I mean, you can't just say, I'm going to pay it off. You got to have a plan, okay? And so say, maybe here's a good plan to say something like, I, I want to pay off $7,000 of unsecured debt before Thanksgiving of this year. Now, that's, see, that's a good plan. You know, it's not just saying, I want to pay off some debt. Because you know what? If you pay off $100 worth of debt before Thanksgiving, that's paying off some debt. I mean, you need to put a, a figure there. You need, to, you, know, you need to kind of draw the picture. I want to be $7,000 less in debt than I was. And by saying that Thanksgiving, you Thanksgiving, know, you know, that's a great time to say I want to pay off by Thanksgiving. You know why? Because what are you going to do when Thanksgiving and Christmas hits? You know, think about what you're going to, uh, yeah, you, you, you're not going to be saving anything. You're not going to be paying off any debt. If you're not careful, you're going to be adding to it. So, so just add that there and say, I'm, I'm not going to incur any more debt this year, and I'm going to pay off 7000 out by Thanksgiving. That, that's, a, that's a great goal. You've actually put something there that, that you can really look at, and you can, and you can gauge, and you, you, can, you can plan for that, but that's not enough either. You've actually got to determine what are the steps that are going to get me from point A to point B. Here are a few just examples of steps it could be, like limit eating dinner out to once a week. That's, that's one of the first things most people in our culture can do today. To help them pay off debt is to limit eating out to one time a week. Okay? Here's another thing, is work to refinance a house. That's been, you know, the past couple years been an awesome time to refinance your house if you've been in your house for several years because interest rates being so low and if you plan to be there for a while now I, I, listen I'm not telling everybody to go out and refinance their house this week okay but we got some people around here that can help you understand that if you you know if you need to ask that but that's a that's a good plan as well also uh, attend the financial peace small group there's going to be a financial peace small group here in beginning of February attend that that's that's a great idea some of you young couples, you definitely need to attend Financial Peace or meet with a dream advisor for accountability. As part of our growth track. The growth track begins again today. 101 begins at 4 o'clock today. And I know it's a holiday, but hey, you're here. And I, and I know and there's some people, you need to be here and hear about what 2911 is about. But part of the growth track is the Dream Advisor program. And we actually have people that can help you budget, help you, help you figure out how to pay off that $7,000 worth of debt. So that'd be a great idea. And also read two books. I've asked the Dream Advisor team. I've asked them to, put, to compile a list of books for, for those who are struggling with their finances, but not just that, those who are struggling with their marriage, those who are struggling with raising their kids, those who have addictions, I've asked them to put together a list so that we can, we can present those to you. you know, and if you need, to, you need to know what are some good books, that we've got those to you. So that, th- these, are some good, these are some good steps. These are some things that will help you get to, those, get to that place. You cannot just say, I want to pay off $7,000 worth of debt, and it's going to happen. You know, For most of us, I, I don't know about you, but for me, to pay off $7,000 worth of debt before Thanksgiving, that would be a little over $500 a month in, you know, in about 10 and a half months. You know, that'd be a little over five, a little over $500 a month. I don't have an extra $500 a month to throw at debt. Anybody else? I mean, you know, you know what that means? That means I'm going to have to cut back, like limit my eating dinner out to once a week or something. I'm going to have to find some places to cut back. Or for example, you want to have a better relationship with your kids? You know, one of the best ways to do that is spend time with them, right? If you're as busy as most people, where are you going to find that extra hour a day all year long to spend with your kids? You're going to have to do like the eating out, cut it back. You're going to have to cut back on some other things. You're going to have to cut back on some of those games that you sit around and play, you know. You're going to, have to, you're going to have to find some time. You're going to have to cut out. You know, uh, you know, you know just like right now is a great time for f- football. I mean, if you're a college football fan, I mean, this is awesome, right? I don't know what in the world I'm going to do tomorrow because at noon tomorrow, there are three SEC teams playing all at the same time on different channels. I don't know why in the world they did that to us. You know, this is, this is one of those times though, that you, know, that you re- really, you, know, you really like to, if you're into that, but you know, sometimes it's time to cut back on some of that you got to cut back on some of those things. If you want a great relationship with God, what's it going to take? It's going to take spending some time with Him. Instead of listening to Rick and Bubba all the way into work, maybe you need to just uh, talk to Him. You know, in, instead, of, instead of reading the newspaper every night, maybe you need to uh, you know, cancel the newspaper. I mean, if you don't have any other time, cancel the newspaper and pick up the Bible. I mean, you know, you're going to have to find some ways to cut back. You're going to have to put some steps in place. Say, this is the way I'm going to make the whole thing happen. I mean, this is how it happens right here, is you've got to put all these kinds of steps in place. And if you do that, if you do that then you can begin to see. That is the beginning. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning, is building the plan. And, you know, you might, need, you might take a day, a week, uh, I mean, you might take a week or maybe several weeks, maybe even a month to pull this plan together, but make a plan to get it done. Because we're going for something. Here's the second thing, is discipline daily. How many of you like discipline? Most of us don't even like giving discipline, do we? Much less receiving it. We don't like discipline. Uh, you know, most of us don't like exercise. Except for people like my sister-in-law, Margie, who likes to exercise just for the sake of exercising. Not me. You know, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm such a bad golfer. And I said in the early service, listen, that's not the only reason I'm a bad golfer. But it's one of the reasons I'm a bad golfer. Is I don't want to go to the driving range. I don't want to go to the putt and green and putt. I, want, I just want to tee it up and go, man. I want to play, you know? You know, the last church we uh, attended when we, before we uh, launched this, when we were working with First Priority and weren't pastoring at that time, it was over at Christway. and and two springs in a row, they came to me and asked me if I wanted to play softball. Hey, we got to get in a softball team. You know what? I was excited. Yeah, man, I used to play two seasons of softball and a season of church basketball, and that, that's what kept me in shape, you know? And, and uh yeah. I'm not doing that anymore. So I thought, man, this would be awesome. I love to play softball. I, I, I was already thinking, I can carve out this night, you know, one night a week and probably do that. But then they told me about that other night. They didn't want to just play. They also had to practice. When they said practice, practice, what do you, you know, that's two nights. So I don't have time for two nights a week for softball to practice. I just want to go, I just want to go play, you know. Don't make me practice. I just want to play. That's the way I am. You know, I struggle with that, you know, of of doing the stuff that I'm supposed to do. You know, there are very few people, like Margie, you know, that just love exercising, you know, or or they love going to the weight room and working out just because I like to work out, you know, or or they actually like going to the driving range, probably like Chase, and that's why he's such a good golfer, is he actually likes working on his swing. I just want to go play. But the people that, even if you don't like the discipline, the people that hang in there with the discipline, you know, here's the thing. Is they understand is the, that the discipline is the way to get to the goal. If I want to pay off some debt, i got to be disciplined to say, nope, one time a week, that's all. Nope, I'm not buying this. Nope, not putting anything else on the credit card. Nope, it's, it's the discipline that gets me to the goal. If I want a better marriage, it's the discipline. It might not be as fun. Some of the things you have to do in a marriage might not be as fun. As, some of the, as the goal that you're trying to get to, but it's the discipline that gets you there. You want a better relationship with God? You know, sometimes, uh, oh, you know, 11 o'clock at night, you know, you say, well, you, you, don't have, you don't have to read the Bible every day to get to heaven. No, you don't have to. But there's discipline. There's discipline it's because I want a great relationship with God. And sometimes 11 o'clock at night, you've had one of those days where the phone woke you up in the morning, you know, and you've been running all day long you had not even had time to hardly, you know, just throw a quick prayer up to God, much less really spend some time with God. At 11 o'clock at night, you're about to lay down and you're thinking, well, you know, I can get by. Yeah, you can get by. But that's not the goal. The goal is not to get by the goal. It's to have a, have a better relationship with God. And so the daily discipline says, at 11 o'clock at night, if I realize I haven't prayed and I haven't read my Bible before I go to bed, I'm getting the Bible out and I'm praying because it's the discipline that's going to get me to the goal of having the relationship that I want to have with God. It's the dis, And nobody likes discipline. Nobody likes that, hardly. Except those weird, weird people that just like, I mean, you know, people that, teach it for a living. I mean, you know, they're just just crazy. But, but, you know, Margie's one of those, you know, she, you know, they're just crazy. They do that several times a week. I mean, they do it for themselves and they teach other people to do it. And I say, I could do that. You know, I could stand in front of the class and say, okay, now spin, spin, you know, keep going, keep going. I mean, to do it, to just do it. I just, I just don't, you you almost got to be crazy. Here's the thing. When we make resolutions, who do we make them to? Yeah. There's not a government panel or board or committee or department, at least not yet, that we have to report to what our resolutions are, right? So we just make them to ourselves. And, and, and there are a lot of churches, a lot of ministries today that are really pushing accountability partners. And that is great. That is awesome. Especially young, young people, young Christians, you really need accountability. Somebody that can hold your feet to the fire. But let me tell you something. There are always going to be some areas of your life that you can hide even from the best accountability partner. And so what you got to do is you can't rely on just that accountability partner. Every one of us has to grow up and be spiritually mature, be an adult, and say, I'm going to hold myself accountable. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, hold, if you don't learn how to hold yourself accountable, you're going to eventually find yourself falling flat on your face. It's going to be disastrous in your life. Case in point, the man after God's own heart. You know who that was? That's, that's what God's word called King David. But let me show you his lowest moment. And I, I'll show you how he got there. 2 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 14. So the next morning David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. So David writes a letter to Joab, who is the general of the army. And he puts it in the hands of Uriah, one of the soldiers, and tells Uriah to carry it to Joab. And here's what the letter said. It said, Station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest. Then pull back so that he will be killed. I don't care how you color that. That's murder. I don't care what you say. Uh, this is, and this is the man after God's own heart. He commits murder. He says, Put your Uriah in the hottest part of the battle and then pull all the soldiers back away from him, retreat away from him, and let him be killed in the battle. That's murder. And this was a man. How does the man after God's own heart commit murder? How does it happen? Happens because of the lack of daily discipline. I don't see it right there. But did you notice also, is he sent the letter by Uriah? Uriah carried his, only, his own death warrant in his hands to Joab. How did it happen? Well, let's back up a verse and see how this happened. At David's invitation, uh, Uriah ate and drank with him. And David made sure that he got drunk. But in the evening Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. Here's what David had done. David got rid of Uriah, got him out of the way in those verses we read a few moments ago. There's some reason, we are, you, may have heard, you may have read this before, you may have heard me, because I've used this story a lot, you may have heard me talk about it, so you may already know what it is. But there was some reason David wanted him out of the way and he had him killed. But before he had him killed, he tried to get him drunk to make him forget what he had done that night and hope that this thing that David was trying to hide and cover up he would, he would forget what he was doing, and, 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 and he would, it would be covered up. But he got Uriah drunk, hoping Uriah would go home and, and enjoy his own bed that night and you know, cuddle with his wife and everything. But instead, Uriah was so loyal to his army and so loyal to his king that instead of doing that, because all the army was still out of the battlefield, he slept with the rest of the king's men. He slept in their station, in their place, because he was so loyal. Uh, you need to get this, this as well is how disloyal David was to this loyal man. The man after God's own heart, how did he get here? Back up back up several verses to verse 5. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. This is what David needed to cover up. David had gotten someone pregnant. And this someone happened to be Uriah's wife. He'd gotten her pregnant, and so now David was trying to do the cover up. He had slept with a married woman, and he was trying to do the cover up. How can a man, get this, a man after God's own heart? How does a pastor fall? How does a minister fall? How, how do people who seemingly serve God every single moment of their life, how do they fall? How do they fail? I mean, th- here's the answer right here. It's not in this verse. Back up another one. We got to look. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. David sent to get her. Now, now listen, this is not pornography popping up on your screen at home when you're on the computer online. This is, not, this is not something that just happened and you just, all, you just see. David sent for it. It's, like, it's, a, you know, it's not like pornography that pops up on your screen. He went down to the convenience store and he bought a magazine. That's what he's done. He has sought for it. He went out looking for it. He went and inquired and asked, and he said, bring it home to me. He went out and got it himself. How does a man after God's own heart end up in this place. Verse 3, David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David finds out that she's married. You know what? It doesn't matter. David doesn't care. He sleeps where there are any... He knows she's married and he sleeps where... How does the man, after God's own heart, not care? How does that happen? I mean, we can look around and I can say, no, no, they wouldn't do it. No, they wouldn't. No, no. I wouldn't, find, I wouldn't find people in this room to point out and say, I could see that in them. I wouldn't find people. You know, we look around and we, how do we, God's own people, men and women after his own heart, how do we end up in this place? Back up another verse. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. He saw this woman bathing. Is that how it happened? Because he saw the woman bathing. He didn't just see the woman, though, did he? He must have looked. There's a difference in seeing and looking, isn't there? We'll, we'll talk about that in just a few moments with Job. He looked. He, he looked. He saw this woman. And, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what the customs were back in those days exactly. Our custom, you know, well, it may be weird at your house, but our custom is we, we don't wear any clothes when we take a shower. That's what way it is at my house. I don't know about y'all. Y'all might wear your bathing suits. I don't know. I wasn't going to tell that story in the second service, but now I got you laughing. I just, I came to my mind, I got to tell you so story. I, I mean, when I, when I was a counselor uh, running a youth camp in South Alabama, you know, can I tell you something about 10, 11, 12-year-old little boys? They don't take baths unless you make them. And it's hard to make a little boy, a 10, 11, 12-year-old little boy make a bath. You know what we did one, one week? We did, we took, because we, we had the boys, we knew we had half the cabin had not bathed all week long. We knew that. And you know what We did. We, I think we actually had about two or three cabins. We pulled out, we got them all in a line. We took a water hose and we just hosed them all down. And then we got some dish detergent and we turned it upside down on their heads and we just squeezed it, went down the line and we squeezed it on top of their head, and their head. And we said, Now rub it in, guys. Rub it in all over, guys. Rub it in all. And then we hosed them off best we could. You know? And you know what? They probably walked around with a little bit of sud, you know, soap in their ears and whatever. But it was a whole lot better than what they were walking around in for the last uh, last few hours. Yeah. These little 10, 11, 12-year-old boys, their custom is to not bathe unless they absolutely have to. I don't know what their custom was. She might have been half undressed. It don't matter. Does it matter? It doesn't matter. You know, here's the thing. Is this what happened here with David is he was walking around. He couldn't sleep. He was walking around, and he looked down. And, you know, his, from his high palace, he could see on top of, other, top of other houses. And he looked down, and boom, there's a woman there, and she's bathing. Now this is like sitting at home at your computer on the internet and boom, pop-up, pornography. What do you do with it? Just because it shows up doesn't mean you get to look at it. I mean, that's not daily discipline. Well, God wouldn't have wanted me to, if he wanted me to look at that. He wouldn't have let that pop up. No. God probably would have had you set your, you know, set your internet options just a little bit stiffer on that. God would probably have you, maybe, maybe you do need an accountability partner, but just because it pops up doesn't mean, just because you get an opportunity to go off and do something doesn't mean you ought to go do it. You have to have some daily discipline, but this isn't even the problem. You know where the problem is? The problem's in verse one right here. In the spring, at the time when kings, everybody say time, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab. Joab, that's, that's the guy that, remember, at the first of this story, or at the end when we started the story? Joab, the general of the army. David sent Joab out with the king's men. Whose men? Who's the king? David sent Joab with his men. Not Joab's men. Even though Joab was the general, he could have been put over all the men. But no. Get Get the point here. David sent Joab out with his men. David should have been out with his men. Those were his men. David should have been with them. But they weren't. David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Think about these four words. Where, when, what, and who. David wasn't where he was supposed to be. It was time for the kings to go to battle. And he wasn't. There, now, Listen, there are times when, when you just had a battle and you know what? I don't want another battle. It doesn't matter. There are times when you've got to go battle and you've got to fight. And when it's time to fight, you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be. He, he was not where he was supposed to be. When he was supposed to be there. Doing what he was supposed to do. You know, I think we get this. It's that fourth one we don't really get. But let, let, let's, let's hang right here for just, a, just another quick second. I think we get this. That sometimes we're not there for our families like we ought to be. Sometimes we're not there for a brother in Christ like we ought to be. Sometimes we're not there for others in our community like we ought to be. Sometimes we're not there doing the right thing at the right time in the place that we're supposed to be doing it. And I think we all get that. But in this year, when you're disciplining you're all year long, and you're thinking, "This is my discipline because I got to get to I got to get to the goal." This is my discipline. This is my discipline. When you're thinking about this discipline, think about these four words: Am I where I'm supposed to be? When I'm supposed to be there, doing what I'm supposed to do, being who I'm supposed to be. I, th- I don't know if we get that one. So let me let me, and I, I've got. Little time here, but let me try to develop this thought as much as I can in the little time I got left. David was not who he was supposed to be to Bathsheba. I I, I don't know. I don't know when she became a willing participant. Okay, either she, either they said, "Hey, David, David wants to know about you. He wants to have sex with you." She said, "Hey, I'm game," and she took off. I don't know. She might have said that. We don't see that she that 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 she was forced physically. Or it may have been that she was unwilling, but because of his place as the king, she could do nothing except let him have her and have his way. I don't know. But she at some point, she became a willing participant, at least in the cover-up, because when David, David killed Uriah and so it was able to cover up, nobody knew that the kid wasn't Uriah's, and she didn't tell anybody either. So she did become culpable at some point. I don't, I don't know exactly where she did, but you know what? It didn't matter. Because we're not talking about Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, today. We're talking about David. We're talking about David and why David. How David messed up. He messed up because he didn't daily discipline himself. He was not where he was supposed to be, when he was supposed to be there, doing what he was supposed to do. And you know what? He wasn't who he was supposed to be to Bathsheba. He was supposed to protect Bathsheba. But he didn't know better than rape her. I, I, don't, I don't care even if she went willingly to his He raped that family by taking that woman from that man that was serving in his army. He raped her. He, uh, th- th- this, this king, this man after God's own heart was guilty of being a murderous, disloyal rapist. He was. And, he, and, he, and she, she deserved to be taken care of. She deserved, you know, that if rapists came into, the, came into Jerusalem, she deserved the king to have, have them arrested and sent to prison. But instead, he was involved in raping this woman. Taking from her, her glory. Can I tell you this, man? Let me tell you. For our wives and for our girlfriends, if you're not married and you're dating, it is not just our responsibility to be the he-man and beat up anybody that wants to pick on our wives. We're also supposed to protect their glory. And when we allow them to be abased sexually in any way, doesn't mean that you, uh, that you have gone too far with them. But when we allow them to be a base because of the way we treat them or talk to them or look at them or let other people or anything like that or we see them in some way, we're out of line because God has called us to protect even their sexual glory. And that's what David was supposed to do. He was not protecting her. He he was not who he... He was the king. But he was not her king that day, was he? He wasn't walking in the place. And Uriah. Uriah was so loyal. How loyal was Uriah. How loyal did David know Uriah was? So loyal that he knew he could put put Uriah's own death warrant in his hands and know that Uriah would not open it until he handed it to Joab. That's how, how loyal David knew Uriah was. And how did David repay it? By ordering his execution. Why? And the reason was because of David's sin. Because David did not want to be found out. He was not who he was supposed to be to Uriah, and he was not who he was supposed to be to Joab either. Now, Joab has a spotty history. I mean, he's got some stuff in his background, but he was the general of the king's army, and even though he had to obey David, that's not what we're talking about here. What I'm talking about is David as the man after God's own heart, as God's king, as the, he should have been the, the spiritual example of excellence in leadership. He should have been modeling before Joab. Here is the way we deal with our highs and our lows. Here's the way we deal with our goods and our bads. Here's the way we deal with our successes and our failures. But instead, he said, here's how you cover it up, Joab. That's what he, he didn't have to say the words. He showed Joab how to do it. David was not who he was supposed to be. You know what? David needed to learn what, jo, what Job knew. It's a pity that Job could not have taught it to him. He should, If he had been able to learn what Job knew. There's, a, there's just this great verse. I, I don't know about you, but I kind of skip Job as much as I can.
1: If God, if God
0: makes me read Job, I read Job. But man, I get tired of those people arguing over whether, you know, righteousness, holiness, all that. But there is, there, there's some great stuff in there as well. And Here's one that's really good right here. And every one of us needs to catch this. Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? The man after God's own heart did not fail in a day. He failed in the development of a lack of discipline. And here's what Job said. Job said, look, I don't want to have an affair on my wife. Then why do I need to be looking? I've made a covenant with my eyes. Keep them closed. There's another place that Job talked about putting your hand over your mouth. Some of you might need to make a covenant with your mouth. Amen or old oh me. Don't, uh, you, y'all worried about saying amen because you're sitting by the person that you think ought to make that covenant, Right? Here's the question. What part of you do you need to make a covenant with? If you're going to reach the goal this year when you're disciplining yourself, and you, and you may say, Well, that's, that, being who, that's not, yeah, that's important. You want a better relationship with your kids? You need to worry about being who? and Make some covenant with yourself about this. The, you got some anger? You need to make a covenant with your anger. You know, you need to get that stuff under control. The Bible says be angry and sin not, so there's a time for anger. Okay, so make a, you know, don't, don't think you've got to rid yourself of anger. Make a covenant with that anger and say, listen, you are never going to show yourself again to my kids. Make a covenant with, what part of you do you need to make a covenant with? Make that covenant today. Make that covenant today. Stand with me, would you, please? Everybody come to the front. I've got one more thing to share with you. I'll share it with you when we get to the front. Please come if you will. We almost always like to close at the front with a final song. We're going to do that this morning. <clears throat> going step, step in so everybody can get out of, the, out of the aisle, if you will. What part of you... Do you need to make a covenant with? What part of you do you need to make a covenant with? Answer that question in your heart right now. You probably already know, don't you? You just need somebody to ask the question to make you answer it. This is the covenant I need to make. This is the part of my life, my soul, my being, my personality, my upbringing, my my genes, my traits, who I am. I need to make a covenant of this part of my life. Not, not maybe not just a physical, but part of your life. Here's the third thing: you got to resolve, you got to discipline, and you got to finish. Did you see that stat in the video at the beginning? Eight percent are going to finish their New Year's resolutions in December. December. If we take a poll again in December, you know, if it if it stays true, only eight percent are going to finish. You need to finish. You need to finish like Paul. Remember what Paul said about his journey? Right here in 2 Timothy. He says, I fought. It's going to be a fight. I told you earlier, right? You want to lose 25 pounds? It's going to be a fight. You know? And and whatever situation you've got in your life, if you want to pay off some credit card debt, it's going to be a fight. But make up your mind. So you can be like Paul. At the end of this year, if the Lord tarries, you can say, I fought a good fight this year. We paid off credit card debt. I lost 25 pounds or whatever it is. So I'll be able to say at the end of this year, I fought the fight. I finished the race. I finished. I didn't quit. Thanksgiving. I think that's one of the problems we got around here. Everybody wants to lose 25 pounds before Thanksgiving so we can start all over again. Thanksgiving, Christmas, put it back on, and then in January we. But how horrible is that? Think about it. You starve yourself all year long. You you beat yourself up, you exercise, you go to all that trouble to lose that weight, just so you can binge for a couple of weeks. At Thanksgiving and Christmas. Don't do that spiritually. Don't fight the fight. Fight all these spiritual, moral battles all year long. God, help me get over this addiction. God, help me with my kids. God, help me. Don't fight that all year long and then blow it at the end of the year. Finish. Finish the race. He says, I remain. I remain faithful. Remain faithful. Well, that place you're going to make a covenant with, remain faithful. Why? Because the next verse says, and now The prize awaits oh, me. Now, now Paul was talking about the prize at the end of life because that's where he was. He was talking about his whole life. He was talking about the end of life. But Jesus Christ didn't just come to save us one day. He came to give us life more abundantly right here, right now. God cares about every single one of those areas in your life. And all those places that you need to make changes, that you need to make great. He wants you to have a great marriage. He wants you to have a great relationship with Him. He wants you to raise great kids. He wants you to have a great relationship with your parents. He wants you to have great uh, He wants you to have awesome finances. He wants you to have a good credit report. Did you know that? You you parents understand this. You want your kids to have a great life, don't you? God's the same way. He wants you to have an awesome life, and He's concerned about every single one of those things. And so now, whatever it is in your life, you know that thing that I told you when we stopped and prayed, kind of in the middle of the sermon there? And I said, Make up your mind. That's the prize. Lose 25 pounds? That's the prize. Pay off $7,000 worth of credit card debt. That's the prize. Better relationship with my parents. That's the prize. And here's what he's saying. If you fight, if you finish, and you remain faithful, you're going to get the prize. You're going to get the prize. I want you to I want the prize in my life. And I want you to have. I am so tired of praying for you to have a financial blessing. Now, I'm not saying I'm giving up. You understand what I'm saying? I'm tired of praying about it. I want it over in 2012. Anybody else here? I want it over in 2012. I'm so tired of praying for you to be healed. I want it over in 2012. I'm so tired of praying for your lost loved ones, your kids that are in rebellion. I want it over in 2000. I want the prize in 2012. Somebody say amen. I want the prize. And so here you go. If you didn't, if you didn't decide with me, what the prize was. You're going to feel cheated right now because I'm about to pray right now for everybody to get their prize. God, give us the prize. You're going to feel cheated. See, I told you. You need to listen to me when I preach. I'm going to pray right now for you that you get the prize. I want us to join. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't you start singing with her until you finish praying with me about your thing, okay? And ask God to give you the prize. Ask God to give you the prize. And listen, if you really, really, really want your prize this year, the, the prayer team is right here waiting. They're waiting. Around prayer team so they can see it. Prayer team members, move on up. Prayer team members are ready. If you really, really, and you want somebody to help you pray this morning, come on, come on, get a hold of their hands and let them help you pray. And say, so I got to have the prize today. I got to have the prize this year. Come on, bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Come on, move forward if you want. Special prayer. And let's pray right now. God, I pray over every one of our members, Lord.